Hello, and welcome to Women in Strength. This is the podcast that goes far beyond what they teach us in Cert 3 and 4. My name is Rasheen Hawley, and I'm going to be spending this time with you every single week, jumping into the real-life challenges, the real-life topics that we face as a coach, as a business owner, and as a woman running her own business in the fitness industry. I've been in the industry since 2013, where I started out as a sole trader in a commercial space, and now I own my own gym here in Melbourne called Barbell Babes Brigade. I absolutely love being in this industry and I love educating and exploring the things that come up on a daily basis. I love to help other ladies really explore their capabilities as a business owner, as a coach and seeing what they can do. Because the thing is, when we create businesses as women, we are unrivaled. We have a power that is so untouchable and I really, really want to explore these topics that quite frankly can stop us in our tracks sometimes. So strap in, we've got lots of stuff to cover. On today's episode, we have the first guest to come on this podcast, and I'm really excited to have my good friend and fellow gym owner, Roy, come in and share some wisdom with us. Now, Roy is the owner of a gym here in Brunswick, Melbourne called The Fit Project, Um, and I have known Roy for a number of years now. We met um, by doing a mutual mentorship together, and he has had The Fit Project for a few years now. And let's get into some juicy conversations around the reality of owning a gym. All right. Now, today I have my very first guest, Roy, um, and such a good friend of mine. I'm really excited to have you as the first guest, Roy. Um, And we're going to be talking about pretty much some juicy stuff, the reality of owning a gym. Um, So we're going to have two gym owners on the line, and I think we're going to get into maybe some conversation that is not often talked about. So hello, Roy. How are you? Hey, Roy. Great to to be here. Thanks for having me on as your first guest. Yes, yes. Roy was just showing me because he's in his gym. He was just showing me all of his new gear and his second business that he created during COVID. So I guess that's a a nice little segue to start out. Um, Roy, I guess, can you kind of explain who you are? Give us a little bit of a background about what you do and, you know, how you've been in the position where you're in now. Sure thing. I'll um, I'll try to keep it brief because sometimes I can uh, waffle waffle on. So, um, Roy Spartan Roy, if you're following me on the um, on the grams or the socials, I'm a uh, I'm a business owner. I run two fitness businesses. Um, one being a uh, boutique personal training studio in Melbourne. Uh, the other being a, a fitness equipment manufacturing business. Um, the second one being a little bit newer. Uh, I've got two dogs, uh, happily married. Um, my business partner and life partner is awesome. Um, and yeah, we run the, uh, the Fit Project down here in Brunswick, which is a, uh, a performance-driven uh, personal training studio. Um, well, we, I should say we were uh, up, until, up until March. So. Okay. How long have you been running the Fit Project for now? So Fit Project's now three and a half years old. Okay. Where does the time go? Because you were you were one of my first guests on on the, the Fit Project podcast. Yeah, yeah, wild, huh? <laughs> yeah. So you're three and a half years there now. Okay, cool. And for obviously those people that are not in Melbourne, both Roy and I are in Melbourne, and our gyms have been closed for six months now. So I guess are we technically gym owners right now? <laughs> Owning something, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Now, prior to having your own space, can you tell me a little bit around what you used to do um, and what kind of led you to opening your own facility? 
For sure. So talking to a lot of industry professionals, particularly over the last couple of months, I would say I have a, uh, a fairly archetypical um, fitness professional uh, journey in the sense that um, uh, I fell into the industry because I, I really loved it and at the suggestion of friends and family um, back in the early 2010s. Um, so a while ago now. Okay. Um, and, uh, started off just outdoor boot camps, um, training friends and family and, and, and anyone who was sort of referred, uh, to train, to train with me, didn't really know where I was going to end up, um, but really liked it. Uh, at that stage I was working in a, in a, in a relatively corporate role, uh, in the booze industry. Um, and, uh, I just hit that critical mass in terms of client base where I could launch out of, um, uh, launch out of that corporate role. Um, that was also, uh, hastened by voluntary redundancy with the company at the time. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then from, from that boot camp, uh, I've kind of found myself in commercial gym spaces. Um, and then again, sort of climb the, uh, climb the rung from sort of PT on the floor to assistant manager in a commercial space, then to a manager in a commercial space. Um, I won't say which commercial space that was in for obvious reasons, but uh, really hated the uh, the management side of things in a in a in a globo gym, so to speak. Um, so quickly, I uh, pulled myself out of that that position and went back to doing what I love, which is which is coaching people. Mm-hmm. And um, at the uh, uh, doing some professional development with yourself, Ro, uh, a number of years ago now, um, got the uh, got the kick I needed to. Um, to dive into gym ownership and launching um, launching the Fit Project, and That's here we are. Yeah, I met you when you were managing at the commercial gym. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How long had you been doing that for? Well, between twelve and eighteen months. Okay. Um, I mean, like I had a pretty established base in the area I was working in down in Fitzroy, so kind of all blurs but I was in that I was in that role for about 12 months and again my lovely my lovely business partner Joe uh like with most things was pointed out how much I wasn't enjoying it <laughs> and how much that was impacting everything else yeah. in my yeah. life so that's when you went back to going okay I really enjoy the industry and I enjoy coaching but this manager of a, a globo gym is not for me yeah, it's not my jam. So that's what I mean. I, I followed like a pretty steady trajectory of like boot camp, friend referral stuff, finding myself into a commercial space, commercial space into like a, a management role in a commercial space and more responsibility and stuff going, that's not necessarily what I want to do. And I find as well, like a lot of the time, a lot of fitness personnel I talk to, they might hit that point mm-hmm. and they usually get out of the industry, mm-hmm. yes, launch a gym mm-hmm. or just go back to you know, go back to coaching and, and doing their own sort of own sort of thing or, or, or onto a different gym. Yeah, and that, like, that's such a good point. That is typically, like, the trajectory of a lot of coaches in the industry. Like, you get to a point where you're like, what is next for me? And you kind of go on your different ventures. Yeah. What, I mean, I've never, I've never managed in a Globo gym before. Hmm. Tell me a little bit about, like, what did you, what wasn't sitting with you? What was, you know, how was it like? I have no real idea what it's like there. Um, so it was a really good insight into, uh, the numbers game of running a gym. So I would, I would say again, like working with the, um, working with the franchisors, mm-hmm. franchisees, sure. either one, 
whoever whoever was owning that was like so the first the first thing for me that didn't quite gel quite well was the um the owners of that particular gym they didn't live in the state or even in the suburb and they were oh. they owned the gym and they were they were up in Queensland which is totally fine if you're a franchisee and stuff like that but that was that was the that was the first thing and I always remember one of the days they came in they they did um like quarterly inspections kind of thing and they came into the came into the space like with a can of coke and like not great food or something and they were just hanging out in the gym all day drinking soft drink just mm-hmm. and I was just like there was just a really obvious disjunction where I'm like we're in a space that's about creating healthy habits and you know improving people's like general level of fitness mm. you're hanging out at the front desk with me we're going over stuff but you're like slashed over the desk telling me how big a night you've had yes. eating junk food I was like what's the mm. what are members walking in now the space sort of Got it. Got it. Going so on their head there. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that disjunction was a was a big thing. But I guess like um, that was a, yeah that was a really big sort of turning point that's like that stuck to me in terms of like where we are now mm-hmm. um, in terms of the fit project. And then I guess in terms of just like the procedural stuff, like knowing that being again part of I guess like a a behemoth that is the fitness industry. Um, coming from the booze industry, that's also quite a, quite a large industry, and just realizing that a lot of the a lot of the members that I knew by name, in terms of them coming in and, and utilizing the space in the club, was just like a number or a dollar figure okay. mm-hmm. to the to the owners of the gym, so to speak, or the space. Yeah. And that again was just like, I think in terms of what we do around personal training in the industry and, and trying to upskill and empower people to to live a, a better lifestyle. Again, that was just like a really big, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. this is like, yeah, from a business perspective, I totally get it. But at the same time, I was just like, this isn't going to be my yeah. my cup of tea, like sticking around in this in this space. space. Yeah, like you could obviously understand that from that kind of model that is needed, but it's not what you wanted to do or you wanted to be involved in. Yeah. yeah and again, I think as well, like we met at a time when we were doing, we we're going quite deep in terms of values and alignment and um uh in that course we were doing together and it was just like yeah that was a real like eye-opening experience yeah um but I think as well like that being said I'm not opposed to globo gyms because I think again like they well we can talk post-covid in a second but they definitely served a um a low barrier entry point to uh for a lot of people who might not necessarily be able to afford say what you and me do now in the facilities that we run and I also think as well like um that those those training spaces definitely served a purpose for the people involved in them but it's I my sort of my idea of them is more like it's it's fitness fast food mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they're sort of they're, they're ubiquitous and they're everywhere and people kind of have this idea um but it's not necessarily the right idea around like a, a longevity piece for, for someone's health and well-being. 100%. I agree with that so much. Like I really think that for a lot of people, like because we both obviously worked in, in Globo Gyms, it's a good entry point for sure. Mm. Like I think there's some really good stuff, but as people stay in the, in the industry longer as a client and, and someone that trains, like we very much start to see that as we build a lifestyle around our health and fitness, those kind of places don't necessarily serve us ongoing. Mm. Yeah. With like 
working in a global gym in terms of a management point of view versus the management and like day-to-day runnings of where you're at now, is there quite big similarities or was there other stuff that you had to really work on, KPIs, targets, focal points that were given to you that are wildly different to what you do now in terms of management? Does that make sense? It does. uh, And I'll preface what I'm about to say with every every business is unique but it also isn't so your your bottom line in a business mm. in order for your business to be around three four five six seven eight years uh you need to be acutely aware and tuned into those things um so again i think i at at that point in my life being in that in that management role in a globo gym my approach and still kind of to my detriment is I'm more about people's well-being and not necessarily like driven by that sort of data. I'm more concerned about what my clients are, are squatting or are they are they seeing improvements in their life and also like their performance in the in the space in, in in TFP as opposed to like the bottom line stuff. And I think again, much like yourself, I've got like a really good team now in terms of the business I'm running where I can I can delegate and automate a lot of those processes so I don't have to. <laughs> Team and delegation, we love it. Yeah, Yeah. Um, but then looping back around, I think there was um, there's an expectation in those globo gyms where you do very much have to be a um, a jack of all trades in terms of accounting, sales and marketing, Mm. member engagement, Mm. training. You know, like doing so much. There's, I think, there's quite a lot, quite a lot of foisted on on gym management in in a bigger chain gym that's not necessarily in their wheelhouse or where you get minimal, minimal training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so quite often there's an expectation that you'll just pick it up or you'll just, you'll use this, you'll plug and play their system. But again, even though every, for me anyway, and any gym I've ever walked in, it's very unique to the suburb, the demographics that, that, that you're serving in, in those suburbs. Um, and so the business needs to adjust and change. Mm-hmm what it's looking at and how it's how it's looking at at its growth or, or its its kpis and its targets 100 like you would have learned uh, correct me if i'm wrong you would have learned a fair bit around you know what kind of numbers to be looking for and you know what are the foundations regardless of what we're doing in the actual training facility but what we need to do to survive basically and and continue to keep our doors open yeah 100 and i think that's something that you just have to especially like in the current current crisis that we find ourselves in especially in melbourne and then like the rest of the world sort of getting on with it stuff and we're still in this this weird little bubble here in melbourne uh seeing the seeing the difference between different businesses that have chosen to just shut mm. versus pivot for the second or third time or do a backflip in a rotation and even coaches in the industry as well and their their sort of response to the the different stuff um is interesting but comes back to what I mean about like each each fitness business regardless of whether it's, whether it's a 24-7 gym or a you know a woman a women's only powerlifting sort of really niche down thing I think yeah a, a fundamental understanding of the basics mm. of what a business runs is important but then also filtering that through a lens of what's the what's the needs of that club and then where I was going where I'm going with that point is so for you your you and I in terms of the businesses and the structure of the business that we run, retention is like is key. How happy are our members? Are they hitting this? You know, are they hitting their goals in the space? 
what are our coaches doing? What are their interactions like? What's the music like? What's the temperature of the water? What's our gear looking like? Do we need to replace? You know, all of that stuff so so key because we really want to look up. Whereas in a Globo gym, the focus is different. It's like how many sales and how many swipe cards can I sell this month? Mm. Who cares if the squat rack's been out of order for mm. three months? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, who who really cares about the, you know, if we haven't replaced, if there's not enough gear during peak time mm-hmm. for people to train with. Mm-hmm. Is that, they're, they're very different mentalities in terms of the, the two yeah. the two businesses and the business structures. That's so true. Like the lens that both you and I look at is, is client first. Like we are building our businesses around our clients because that's the model that we choose to have because it, you know, for one fulfills the, what we want to do in the space of the fitness industry. And it also aligns with us personally. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of coaches that work in Globo gyms, they get really frustrated because they're like, it's just about sales. It's not, the equipment's not getting replaced, but you kind of have to take it like for what it is, because that is their model. And like, you know, yes, we can get like in a Globo gym, you can get frustrated, but that is the nature of working and being an employed contractor in there. And I think sometimes coaches that work in those spaces, just keep pushing their head against the wall and it's like you kind of got to like get used to it a bit you know um and i really uh i was in a, a virtual summit a couple of weeks ago and um one of the uh one of the speakers in that made a really good point around um staff and staff retention and it being it being around um the uh the staff are key in terms of your business but also um any good staff will go on and do kind of what you and me have done, which is client folk, like in, if you're in a Globo gym, Globo mm-hmm. gym setting. Yeah. So, um, which is, I guess, again, just the nature of the industry and where we, where we sort of find ourselves. Like if you are that client focused, you will go off and you'll, you'll go find the systems and the operation and the space to run a, a successful sort of mm-hmm. PT business. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess that's a a nice little question for us to jump into. Um, Obviously, you know, we've established that both you and I, like we prefer to run a business that is, that is built around our clients. And it's not to say that global gyms are wrong. Like there is just different businesses within the fitness industry. And the way I like to talk about it all the time is you just have to figure out where you want to fit and Mm -hmm. what you enjoy. But I guess my next question is like week to week, what I, I mean, it's kind of hard right now because we're in a pandemic, but let's just think, I guess, previous to, to COVID, what was your week-to-week days like as a gym, as a gym owner? What what would your, you know, what would you typically be up to? What would you be delegating out? Where do you spend your time the most? Um, I'm very client focused to my detriment and to the business coaches that I work with and also and also Joe's what Joe points out. Uh, <laughs> I love our community, I love our members, I love getting my hands dirty in classes and um engaging with our with our community down here. So um uh I think that's part of that's probably just my personality type. Yeah. Um and so no matter how how many times I try and spin out of that, I'll always I'll always gravitate gravitate towards it so the i'll get to the day-to-day stuff but um again one of my um one of the coaches i'm working with at the moment in terms of business development is uh what do i what does the business actually need to uh, automate delegate and eliminate that's his like his three sort of his three sort of things and then the other thing that seems to be thematic as well is like usually the bottlenecks in our business is us (laughs) so um, we were talking just before around like, you know, you, you appointing a gym manager is like the best hire you've done mm-hmm. for, uh, for Barbell uh, mm-hmm. Brigade. Um, and then like 
the biggest thing out of this whole COVID mess is like, I need a studio manager. Like I, I, I need, I just need to bite the bullet and do that. Whereas before, uh, we'd, we'd had a head coach, we'd had coaching teams, but a lot of the time I would be focused on the day-to-day running of the, okay. the business. So especially very early on, um, uh, me and my former head coach, we had a better, better delineation of tasks that it was like training, like training people, business development stuff. So sales calls, marketing, emails, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I think again, like your business as it grows, gets to a certain point where those, those daily tasks aren't, aren't actionable, aren't actionable by you or your team. So you need to grow your team. Or you need out. You need to delegate those tasks. Mm. So you know the one of the first things we did was um, uh, get cleaners in because we, we we you know we just got to a stage where me and my head coach couldn't do couldn't do all the cleaning in between and after class and things like that because you know again like client focus, keeping space nice and tidy, smelling good, etc. Um, and then again, as the business has grown and evolved. Um, like we now have a, a an EA who's great, Abby. She's awesome. Um, you know, she just does most of the email stuff because our email, you know, again, as the business gets bigger and the brand gets bigger, mm. we just need someone monitoring the inbox all the time. So you're not so you're not awake at nine o'clock at night or ten o'clock at night, being like, I need to get back to this text yeah. or I need to get back to this client yeah. straight away. Um, so I guess the um, uh, and again, my lovely partner and wife, Joe, early on. Um, cause she's got it. She's got another full-time job. It was like, you're going to do, you're kind of going to handle the yoga side of things that we do and that's it. And then again, as the business has evolved and, and gone through, it's like, okay, now we actually need you to do more stuff, like engage with our staff as our team grows bigger and share things like staff meetings and, and do things like that. But it's like when you're doing everything, nothing gets done. So mm, coming back to automating, delegating and, and eliminating, like what's working? Okay, if it's not working, let's get rid of it. Let's find a better way to do it. And then what do we need to automate? Like emails, text replies, chatbot stuff, you know, because that technology evolves as well as you go along. So utilizing, you know, I guess utilizing and leveraging the, the technological stuff where possible. But then also because we're in the in the industry of personal training and face-to-face coaching. Okay finding time for that because that that's that's always the priority if we've got a community and and if we if, if you talk about building a community outwards community's always got to come first yeah and that's a theme that i'm hearing is that because i get a lot of coaches ask me you know what can i what do i need to be doing what does my days look like and you're pointing out this is what i'm hearing from you Roy, is that you like client focus like that is your like that's what gives you that drive right and so you're you're making that your role and then you're starting to learn to delegate out and put other stuff out, but you're still choosing what you want to do as the business owner, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. So again, I think too, like coaches. Uh, again, when I'm talking to, to to fitness professionals, a lot of coaches get stuck in in that technical that technical wheelhouse about like lead generation, customer nurturing, advertising, putting up posting stuff on social media, et cetera, et cetera. Now, that's great if you're an influencer or you want to spend all your time on social media. But again, like coming back to like automation and delegation, like there's no way I'd be able to do that stuff where the business is at now yeah. versus when we started where it was like, we need to post stuff. 
James, quickly, let's do this. Let's shoot a video. Let's do like, so, but again, like I, I think a, a big bottleneck for a lot of coaches in the industry or starting out is like they want to be heard or it's all about content creation. Yes. It's not about any of that stuff if you don't have clients that you're serving. About clients. It is yeah. about clients. Yeah. And that's interesting because like both you and I still coach and we've been in the industry for many years now. And I've actually, as business has grown, I've tried different things. You know, I've taken some of my sessions out. I've freed up more space. And ultimately I found that I was unhappy doing that because I still, like, I still want to be on the ground. Like I am a coach from, that's how I got into the industry. I love mm. powerlifting and I love being dirty on the ground and being with a barbell. And it's like, when you're a coach and business owner, as you grow, you there is no one way. Like one business owner might still be doing X amount of coaching. And then you might have another gym owner that has no coaching, but it's about what you enjoy and you can create your own business around that, right? 100%. And um, Craig Craig Ballantyne, who's again a, a, a speaker at this, uh, this industry thing I was on a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. had this really good saying. I might butcher it and I'm slightly paraphrasing, but it was like uh, building, uh, building a lifestyle around your business, not building your business around your lifestyle. Yeah. I think that's the right, that's the right way of saying it. So again, like business should be about doing stuff that you really enjoy doing not to say that there won't be times when yeah when you want to do like when you don't have to scrub a toilet or whatever or clean up someone's pew or you know like get chalk off your get chalk (laughs) off the bar whatever it takes like no there won't be times when you have to do that but if your business isn't leading towards what you envisage and leading you to do more of what you want then it's just a job and you might as well just have a job in a globo gym or doing something like that as opposed to yeah doing the stuff that you enjoy doing every day Hundred percent, and if that means you enjoy, like I love vacuuming my gym. Mm. I love it because it's just such a sense of like I like it when it's really quiet and I get a bit of time to just listen to some, you know, music or silence and just vacuum because it's like. And we have a cleaner and we can get that, but I like that process of doing that. So I'll carve mm. out space to do that because it really centers, comes back to our space. So you know, if you if you're a business owner and you have a gym or your own business, obviously. Do what you want to do, like include the things still that you like, because then you're just working. You might as well go have another job, like, you know? Yeah. And also if you're, if you're a gym owner who has a team, hiring and finding members of your team who complement your skill sets and do the stuff that's, that's in their zone of genius is huge Mm. Mm. as well as like, just in terms of like, what you were like, don't hire another you, even though you might want to. And I think we talked about this, a couple of months ago when you were going through a recruitment process, it's yeah. like, well, do you want another row in the business or do you want someone who's going to have like a complimentary and, and build out the team a little bit more? 100%. That, actually, that's that's a good point for us to kind of break into now. Like hiring staff, um, I don't know about you, Roy, but it's probably one of the biggest and hardest jobs. Um, you know, we talk about having people in our gym. I don't want replicas of me. It is there for everyone because the team is to complement each other. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience with hiring staff. <laughs> uh, let's see. I've hired mates before, um, yep. which again is like a is like a very I would say is like a Vegas wedding. It's the honeymoon period, and the, and the first part is awesome. There's heaps of fireworks, and it's great. <laughs> and then you quickly realize. But maybe it's not long term. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yep, uh, you might need to sort of find a way to to exit them out, or they'll they'll probably inevitably end up looking for other stuff as well. Because again, you might just be too too close together. Um, uh, again, from so my parents are small business owners. 
And then um, Joe's Joe's had some small business, like some family small business stuff. So again, part of our hesitation or reservation about sort of bringing Joe into more of a, a capacity in TFP was around both of our experiences around family-run businesses and having family in the business. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so, so much with my husband, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so but that that loops quite yeah. nicely because again, like your life partner can be a huge benefit to the business. Again, if you're if you bring them into a capacity where they're working in their their zone of genius and what inspires them and 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 what they get excited about. And that might be, again, if someone's listening to this and you're like, I'm about to get divorced from my partner or whatever, or I'm constantly fighting, maybe just flip what you're doing or your working relationship so that you're both working in your sort of your, your perspective fields that really get you excited as opposed to you're both just like yeah. fighting on fighting on points. So um Anyway, our recruitment process keeps getting refined every time we go. Every time we go through the wheel, oh, totally, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we have a little bit more of a rigid screening process now, and we're pretty big on setting um, parameters that we hire to, and then also the 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 process takes a little bit longer. So, um, and again, one of my business coaches two years ago was like, most people hire um, when they need to, and that's usually the worst time to hire. Uh, you want to you want to take stuff on when uh, when you want to. Mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing that as well, but like the the basic thing is there. Like we we usually look for stuff when it's holy crap. I need a coach to fill a position. I just need to bring someone in. And uh, again, like hiring staff is just like a. Uh, I think well, I I believe anyway. Um, you know, finding your soulmate or finding someone you want to spend the life with. You got to you got to go on a few dates, mm-hmm. test the waters. Spend a, spend a lot of time with them and then, you know, you get down on one knee or you take them up to a mountaintop and do what, like, and go, hey, let's do this thing. Because uh, if you're just going on sort of Tinder dates all the time, mm. you're going to burn through stuff and you're, you're looking for a quick fix. Um, so, like, our interview process now is, like, uh, we, we send out a bunch of questions, we get a CV in, me and Joe both review. So we both get our both of our lenses looking at the looking at looking at the, the prospective staff member. We then get them to shoot a video, um, asking them a really specific question, not necessarily a tactical question, but more like a personality. Totally. Understanding their personality. Okay. We listen to the video. If the video is no good, then we schedule them. Uh, sorry, if the video is any good, and we sort of we both go, yeah, actually that person's like well spoken. They can talk in front of a camera. They can answer a question quite clearly and concisely, which I can't. <laughs> um uh then we go cool we'll get them in for their first interview and then we do first round interviews and then me and joe will both go away and we'll compare notes and then we'll come back for a second round interview and then we'll get them in on a uh it's a three month it's a 12 week it's almost like an internship so 12 weeks where they shadow go through literally everything we've got a big checklist now so they shadow shadow coaches like senior coaches go through all the checklist stuff do all the training and then usually, you know, usually by then, because it's a 12-week sort of probationary period, if they're no good, they'll be like, this is too much work. See you later. Yeah. Um, and we get to know them quite a lot yeah, yeah, as we go through. So the process has definitely grown out. But again, coming back to what you said around like day-to-day stuff, just that in itself takes a really long time Yeah. yeah. now as opposed to being like, we need staff because the gym's really busy. Yeah, wow. That's so interesting because I, like, we have never both of us discussed our onboarding like hires and mm. that is like, 95% the exact same of what I do and I've just finished a three-month hire 
because I hired during COVID and Mm. about three to four weeks ago, I just finished that 12 week block and it was literally, I call it an induction. So it's really like interesting that we both have the same process. Like we have so many questions about the person before we even get them in for an interview. And so it's exactly the same. Yeah. So for, I guess for you then, you know, what are you looking for when you're looking for staff? Um, so I'm, I don't know if this is old school or new school, but I'm very much of the thing of, I'm very much around hiring on, um, attitude as opposed to aptitude. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so especially, and I guess it depends on the role as well. So if I'm looking at, at a head coach position is different to like a, like a, uh, I think we, in our current paperwork, we call it like level one coach, like level one coach versus head coach, completely different. Totally. That's never to say again. And when we talk to people, when we're hiring like a level one coach, you won't get to like a head coach material. In fact, one of our coaches who's been with us now for two years has just stepped into a head coach role during COVID. So, um, cause you can always upskill and I think you should be educating and upskilling your staff. Um, and again, someone smarter than me always said like, in business, you can't afford to not invest in your staff in terms of their education and their technical knowledge and their expertise and stuff mm. because, you know, they're going to serve your community and your members to come back to that client focus. If they know more, they feel like you're investing in them versus mm. if you're not. So, and again, like worst case scenarios, they go off and they go serve 100 people as better coaches down the line Mm -hmm. which is good good for the industry and raises the whole standard of the industry so um so what i look for yeah is i guess attitude Mm -hmm. um we're toying now with the idea of introducing like some psychometric testing as well which we haven't done before but that's just again like another layer and another layer of complexity in terms of the recruitment process but i think that's really important because you know we put a job up for a position and just even the in the influx of emails and correspondence and it's like they haven't even read the yeah. first page yeah. um so yeah i look i just look for attitude i look for attitude and coachability and i don't want to again like i don't want another me in here i don't want another joe i don't want another you know whoever else is in here um we hire on the individual and what they can bring to the whole um and what they bring to the team so yeah yeah absolutely i agree with everything there like i always say this you can you can teach someone to be technically good, but you can't teach them to be a decent person. And that's, you know, ultimately we're looking because we're going to be spending so much time with them as well. And we want to make sure that, you know, they've, they've got the attitude and and they're, they're willing to continue to build our vision because they are coming into our business. Um, and even to hire someone, it's a big trust. It's a big trust test because we have slogged our asses off. Um, mm. We want to make sure that the team is a team and we cohesively work together. So, yeah. yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, um, I don't think they, I don't think they'll be listening to this, but they might. But uh, about eighteen months ago, or even a year ago, um, I we did a hire, and they were very, they were very good technically, mm. and on paper they looked really good, and they interviewed really good. But then a couple of our members who'd been with us for quite a while were just like, "Hey, just so you know, like, I feel X Y Z about this coach," and like. Yeah. this coach has done this and not that they were doing anything like wrong but if that members that member just didn't feel comfortable around mm. around around that coach um and if it was one coach like if it was one person it was like cool let's all just sit around and talk about it and you know and I went into bat for the member and I went into bat for the coach and I said look that's that's just 
who this person is. That's how they operate. Um, I'll have a chat to them. Uh, but then it was like two or three or four other members started saying like very similar things. And it was like, okay, that's like red flag, red flag, red flag. So sitting down with that person and going, look, like you were referred to us. I think you're great. Technically, I really like, but like if it's like four or five of our members who mm. feel like this, there's probably like an iceberg level of people who are also and just they don't feel comfortable bringing it up. Um, we're going to have to shake hands and, you know. Day call it a day yeah. yeah um so i think yeah that, that screening process and just taking your time is yeah. like is a huge time saver down the line 100 like we're we're in a position where we're starting to hire for our next hire which will be for january february because mm. like you said like once once you hire in a position when you need you will drop everything you will drop it because you're in a state of i need it now so if you're ever looking to hire a coach coaches like be proactive about it and don't think because you don't necessarily need a coach it's not a position to start exploring that um because mm. i've been in that position before and it's shit like you feel so backed up against the wall that you will you start yeah. to just go god okay i need someone so that's an important point absolutely awesome my next question um for you roy is what is like, let's talk about even day to day, including COVID and including out of COVID times. Like, what are the biggest, I guess, worries or struggles or things that are like in your head as a business owner that you've constantly got your lens on? Uh, client safety mm-hmm. is a big one. So, are we still creating a safe environment? And the safest possible space for our community to, to work out in when we could when we could work out briefly in June, and then when we can now we can do outdoor stuff. Mm-hmm. And do we have all of our procedures and up like procedures and policies? And are we communicating that clearly enough to our clients and also our, our staff? Mm-hmm. So those procedures are followed, and um, you know we don't have a uh, a community transition or a link thing, and we're very crystal clear about that. So so the safety thing is. Huge. Is is the biggest is the is the hugest thing, that's an ongoing worry. Um, we had a a workplace incident when we were sort of rearranging the studio around COVID stuff, and like that that employee's well being was like kept me up at night, like in terms of severity, because it was just harder to get them into hospital, harder to get them to checked out, harder to talk to their healthcare professionals just around all the COVID stuff, and it was like, what's their return to work like? That that was the stuff that I was like, are they going to be okay to come to work? Do they even want to come to it? You know, like so. Um, so safety is always a big one, particularly because we are in a, uh, in terms of lifting, like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty high risk. Like, you know, we're asking people and we're coaching people to lift heavy stuff, sometimes at velocity and speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's a big one. But then now you've got the extra layer or lens of, well, there's this virus circulating. Is everyone washing their hands? Are they using hand wash? Are they not sharing equipment? Like, are we cleaning equipment? Like, are cleaning protocols, again, like, I just like am amazed at what Joe's done because Joe works in healthcare, frontline healthcare. So like just her coming in and being like, this, 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 I'm gonna take care of this, this, this is just like was like awesome. Not that I don't have to think about it, but just having that that support structure for the safety of our staff and our, our community. So that's the forefront in terms of day-to-day. Um and uh the other day-to-day stuff is again like if you're managing a team making sure that you're available to the team is huge. And I know I've been definitely been guilty of this at different times. And it, it sort of came up a little bit over COVID where like stresses of like safety for community stuff meant that some members of staff talking to them later on, like felt like they were being heard or felt like I wasn't giving them enough attention. 
just because I was just so stressed out and wigged out about like, do we have enough cleaning products? What's yeah, happened with this person? When someone sends a message saying they've got symptoms, were they symptomatic when they came in? Like, yeah, you know, so dealing with all of that stuff was just like, so being available and having enough cognitive space to make sure that you're, you're there for your team um, is huge. And again, the bigger the team, the more that compounds. So if you're focusing on one staff member, some other staff members not. Yeah. Um, so that's the that's the day to day. And then, like I said to you, when we were arranging this, like um, even automating and delegating, while it sounds really nice on paper, you've got to make sure that those people know what they're doing. They've got clear expectations. You've set their KPIs. If the KPIs aren't being met, then asking them why they're not being met going, you know, so um, the day-to-day again, like, which again is why we're hiring a management position mm. is so we can, so I can pull out a little bit more and look at the the bigger, the bigger strategic stuff for, for the business. And I think um, those three themes are like, they are, they, if we think about it, I, I think that they were so present pr- before COVID, but now there's just like a whole other layer of them. So like, I agree with you so much. Those are constantly the things that I'm thinking about, like safety. Do you have enough room for your clients? Do you have enough equipment? Like what space do they have? And now we've got this like virus that mm. you literally like wake up every single day and someone's not feeling well, or should I come in? Cause I've got a cough and you're like, okay, cool. What do I need to do today? So it's a ever real threat. hundred percent. And I think like, that's the thing too. Like we have a, I think it's going to be very different if you're like a sole trader or running your own PT business. Do the right thing by clients, cancel and reschedule sessions, go get tested, do all of that. But we had a time when that window where we were able to open where I had one staff member had a sore throat. We were like, don't come in. We can get this person to cover it. The person we got to cover started having a runny nose because it was like middle of winter and stuff. And it was like, cool, don't come in, go get tested. And it was right when tests were taking like three, four days. Yeah. And it's like, right, we don't have coverage for staff. So it was like, okay, I need to drop everything I'm doing for like the tactical stuff of the business, mask up and just go in and start doing the sessions. And it was like, and that, you know, that, that will, that's almost like a dam in terms of like pressure psychologically, but also just for the rest of the business stuff, because all of a sudden now you're on the back foot on all the stuff that happens on the back end. Yes. until those staff get their results and they're cleared and everything and they can come back in. And then even then, like, even if they get cleared, they might still have the flu, in which case you don't want them hanging around sniffling and sneezing yeah. everywhere. So you don't want them anywhere in the space. It's like, cool, go take your annual leave or go take your sick leave. We'll find, <laughs> we'll find yeah. coverage. So that's, that's gym owner life though, right? Like we yeah. are the cleaner. We are the full-time coach. Sometimes we're the bookkeeper. Sometimes we can and need to jump into all these different things when, when it's needed. It's a a tough gig. Um, Next question and last question that I actually want to finish on, which I think is going to be a juicy one. Um, I don't know about you, but when coaches come and speak to me, like a lot of people want to own their own gyms, right? And they want to get Mm -hmm. out of some of these globo type places. And I always think it's a really interesting conversation to have about the drawbacks and the benefits of owning a gym because you know, from the outside, and I don't know if this is you, but from my perspective, I was like, this is going to be amazing. This is like it. I can do whatever I want to do. And then we're thrust into the reality of owning a gym. Um, and it's very different. So what are, what are I guess, the benefits of owning a gym and the drawbacks? Um, and I'm just going to open it broad so you can kind of go on whatever tangent you want. Cool. Pros. Um, your, it's, it's your space. Mm. And... You can train barefoot, 
you can you know you can set up a bunch of gym rings rope climbs you've got control over programming you get to choose who walks in and walks out but like you know we talk about we just talked about having to let staff go we've let members go before as well like you know you can you can really choose your who you want to serve and who aligns with you and what you do so that's like one of the biggest benefits because we've got people who are super engaged they love what we do we love them we love seeing them do their thing in here so it's like it's like win 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 versus versus like a, a commercial space is like People just go through the motions or they come in and they go, oh, such and such is going to charge me $7.95 a week. What's a better deal that you can do? You know, that sort of that sort of thing. So um, the biggest benefit is like it's it's you and it's just an extension of you. Um, Joe, my partner and I, Joe, we joked that like TFP was like an extension of our living room during like real intense lockdown stuff. So we still had, you know, we even had, we, we still had freedom to leave the house, go in, make sure stuff was clean. There were, you know, like do the sort of pest control stuff, even sneak in a cheeky session. Yeah. yeah. Um, that wasn't our house. And that even just like that, that extra scope of freedom yeah. as, a, for, as a business was like, was awesome during like the real intense lockdown stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely a benefit. Uh, drawbacks include staff, members having to do everything when you're in the startup phase, uh, sleepless nights. Um, managing a high risk environment with a lot of moving parts Mm -hmm. so and again like it's it's great if you can get to a a point where you can run a facility for three and a half four five six seven eight years but then there's you know the the more successful you are the more the the higher your risk increases Mm -hmm. so there's that so for me personally like you know if our revenue growth has been doing this our proportion of risk is also doing this because you know if you have two coaches on you're twice as likely for one of your coaches to trip over something Mm. or if you have to expand the size of your classes from like say six people to 12 people you've just also doubled the risk of Mm -hmm. and so your risk management and what you do to manage the space compounds as your space grows so um having the right approaching the right mindset and understanding of that is like, hey, it's great. We've got full classes all the time and everyone's here and doing stuff. And then like you said just before in your last point, then you've got the lens of COVID on top of that. And it's like you can – it totally makes sense why so many gyms now, particularly in Victoria, like I'm out, I'm done. Like yeah, that's just – that's another that's another level of stuff I don't want to deal with or touch. 100%. And I, yeah. I'm, like, I f- I'm like fear. I'm like I literally sit there and I watch. I'm like, yeah, fear because it is just so difficult now. And it's – even when we get out of this, it's not going to be the same. Like we're all going to have a different lens, a different set of protocols that we have to live by. Like, and it's, if some people don't want to deal with that and I get it. Yeah, it's totally fair. And again, like if you're a business owner, as opposed to working for a Globo gym, so Globo gym's got like massive budgets and they're working out all of stuff and then that stuff just trickles down and you just have to walk in there like, here's your safety plan, here's your stuff. We've had our lawyers look over everything, put these posters up. If you're doing it the other way and you're running stuff as an independent studio, You've got to go talk to your HR team. You've got to go talk to your legal team. Then you've got to go and do all the research and make sure that you're across all the different legislative stuff and what you can and can't do. Talk, you know, spend hours on the phone to council or local government being like, what's the regs here? What do we need up? What do we need not show? And then figure all of that stuff out. So it's like, you know, that's very, if you're again, like there's benefits for that global gym thing because they'll just go, this is the top down thing and you have to do this. 
if you're doing it for yourself, you got to go find all. Like, I don't know if you've seen like the PT forums and stuff. It, there's like so much confusion and people like regular trainers out there like, what does this mean? I don't know what this means. What do I have to do here? Do I need a permit for this? Do I not need a permit for this? What's the etiquette with this? Like, they yeah. just, and it's like you compound that if you own a facility. Yeah. Again, like you could 10 exit. That's like us by like monkey chatter like 24 7 about what we need to like ask and like who do we need to call and where do I need to get this information from and that's yeah. like of course this is COVID but I genuinely th- feel like that that's all the time like there's always 100%. so many things <laughs> like yeah 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 you've got to just tick off everything and check everything and make sure you're across everything yeah and I think too like the um a crisis like this, and again, someone smarter than me, or this has been a theme in terms of like people in any business that I've been talking to during this thing is like COVID's definitely been a magnifying glass for any business in terms of how it runs and shown where there's massive gaps and what you need to fill in terms of those gaps, or if you just need to not be in business anymore. Yeah. And there definitely there are definitely times, particularly in the middle of the year, where you know, Joe and me were having some pretty deep conversations like do we keep this thing going? Is it worth it? And me and two both had messages <laughs> together going, Roy, I want out. Yeah. Roy, I'm going to close my doors. <laughs> yeah. Because the mental toll of it all constantly, and I think that that's a massive, like it's a drawback, but for both of us, like it's a drawback that we're willing to, to go through because of the love that we have for our, our jobs and the industry in which we do. But for a lot of people, I just genuinely think that it's not for everyone because the mental toll is so high constantly of owning a gym. 100%. And I think that's the other thing too. And like this is um, for people who are listening to this in the industry, the the current crisis and pandemic, uh, I read some interesting reports today where it's like the industry is going to be fine. You're going to be fine. People are actually going to probably end up spending more on on your services and doing your thing on the other side of this when when they're sort of mm-hmm. if you're in Victoria, um, is you're going to be waiting. But if you're in Queensland and the ACT and stuff, you've probably already seen it already. Yeah. Um, where people people want to train and, and look after their health now and stuff, so things will get better. That being said, though, I think what COVID is going to do is it's going to definitely get rid of a lot of hobbyists in the industry. Yeah. Um. Because their rev, like their their sort of business, is built again on that churn, numbers, not being focused on delivering value on the front end to their clients, or even necessarily results. Let's you know, let's get this person in. There'll be another number in my whatever challenge. Mm-hmm. Off we go. Where like the public will demand more on the other side of this, and you you know you me row everyone. We've got to we, we're definitely gonna have to raise our game mm-hmm. to deal with that that demand. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um, last question I wanted to end on, um, it was actually a question that someone asked me to, for us to discuss, um, was all about, um, preferred client base and community. So I get a lot of questions around people like, how do we build a community? How do we, you know, have our preferred clients come in and how do we maintain that? And both you and I, our, our businesses are built on community and, you know, serving our clients. So the question is, what kind of fundamentals do I need to look at to start attracting, uh, my clients that I want to train and also building that community? Um, was it Hippocrates who said, know thyself? Not sure, Roy. I don't know. Someone <laughs> someone somewhere really, really, really wise uh, as one of those motivational quotes was know thyself. So um, community, community starts with you. Um, so 
being crystal clear on who you are and knowing that you're going to change mm. uh, and then managing. I mean, that's another way. We could probably spend another hour just talking about changing and evolving as, as a business evolves and changes. And maybe that's, maybe that's a podcast for another time. But, um, you know, if you're trying to serve everyone, you're going to serve no one. So knowing how to serve yourself is I think that, you know, where, where that starts and answer that question. Mm. Um, and then, you know, there's 9 billion people, 7 billion people on the planet. Um, spending on fitness in Australia alone is a multi-billion dollar industry. Mm. Uh, if you can't find your people, it's probably because you haven't found yourself yet. Oft. Oft. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know. That's a that's that's what I that's what I sort of answer. Oh man, I'm there. I'm like so yeah. with that because like people coaches are wanting to like do all these things to attract certain people that they want to train, and it's like you got to come back to you. Like all of this is resting on you, the coach, the business owner. Like focus on that shit first. Hmm. Get your values and your moral compass and what you stand for and what you stand against. Like know all of that shit first before you start putting out the socials and before you start doing the campaigns and doing all the challenges and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Because um, the tactical stuff is actually easy. And, again, like you can pay you can pay money to get someone else to do the tactical stuff. But unless you know, you know where you're going and what you want to do and who you want to serve. Mm. So coming back to like something like a – if you want to get tactical about it, like knowing who your client avatar is mm. yeah. is like – is so important but that comes back to like who do you want to work with who do you want to wake up at 5 a.m for yes go to bed at 10 o'clock 10 o'clock for there's like there's two there's there's probably two people outside of sorry two beings outside of our, our tfp community i'll do that for one's joe who's my life partner and wife mm. the other one's my dogs mm. you know they're the outside of you know that that's the three that's the three sort of mm. things i'll get out get out of bed and do anything for and go to bed late for you know like and not necessarily in that order. Like Joe will tell me when I'm spending too much time on the TFP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet she does. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, figuring yeah, figuring out who you want to get up super early for, yeah, and who you want to go to bed late for. I think is yeah, because at the end of the day, like this business and the work we do is so hard. Yeah. We gotta want to do it. You know. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Roy. That has been an amazing chat today. Um, definitely some words of wisdom coming from you. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your time, Roy. That was um, that was awesome. It's good to see you virtually. I know, right? Likewise. <laughs> Virtual hug. Virtual hug. I can't wait to come and see you in person when we can get out of this. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, buddy. Well, I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Thanks, Roy. Appreciate it. Bye. Appreciate you. Yeah. Oh, it was so nice to have Roy come and join us today. He is a wealth of knowledge. Um, he has been in the industry for a while and he's done and been involved in a lot of those different tiers that is natural for coaches development and coaches career development. So um, I hope you got some good stuff out of that. And we just thank you so much, Roy, for coming and joining us.